Welcome to the very first Week in Sports Cars episode of 2024. Graham Goodwin, how are you, my dearest brother? Uh, uh, Happy New Year, everybody, and Happy New Year to to you and Shabran in particular. And Pete, we're fine if sheltering from what has been it's awful weather in the UK. Uh, Stephen Kilby's just left the, the office here after a full working day and rang me from the car halfway home. Uh, tells me it is flooded all around where we are at the moment, mercifully with the, the top of the hill, but I suspect uh, some way down the hill problems. But yeah, sheltering at the moment, but getting ready for what is going to be back to back to back international sports car racing. I know we're going to get to talk about the, the first of those big races uh, in this run through MP, but uh, it's good to be looking forward to what I think is going to be an epic 2024. I'm hoping you dispatched uh the young lad there mr kilby on michelin's full wets right because uh, uh folks yeah, don't know this, wet. but yes uh after after WEC races and imsa races uh michelin always sends a couple of brand new sets of wets home with uh, their favorite journalists and steven Absolutely. definitely has many many sets so hopefully <laughs> uh tire warmers were used lots of grip uh on whatever uk highway to get home and uh good on the young lad let's do a couple of quick things should tell folks this is a flappy gums episode meaning we normally do listener q a this one's just a bit of a shorter welcome to the new year we'll talk about some of our things that we're looking forward to the most we'll get back in the q a routine next week crazy for me to think graham that hey we're just into the new year and trying to ease into things and in exactly two weeks time you and i should be sitting in one of the rooms at daytona international speedway for imsa weathertech sports car championship media day and uh the two fridays from now roar roar before the 24 is rolling so it's already here man but before we get there let's uh let's talk about two quick things first one is a welcome to old friends but new friends of the show in a formal capacity happen to listen to our pre-new year final episode of 2023 mentioned that cooper tires our first big sponsor and partner of the show wound down their professional motor racing at least in the realms that i cover in terms of open wheel and sports cars had wound that down at the end of 2023 departed the the racing scene in that way also bid farewell to them as our dear friends and partners for so long along with their associates at discount tire and we've been talking for a little while now and formalized and really happy to say it's not the faf motorsports team and the plaid porsche which is now the black plaid mclaren which i'm calling blad b-l-a-i-d it's the blad <laughs> mclaren uh blad to the, the bone maybe but it's uh one of the the offshoots of the faf empire that being faf technologies really excited like truly excited to have them come on board with us graham for the full year along with our continuing uh long-standing and beloved partners the justice brothers makers of premium grade 
automotive chemicals and lubricants. We have FAF Technologies stepping in, joining in. Look at the new branding and logos that we have. It is FAF Technologies right next to the Justice Brothers and through FAF Technologies located about a half hour north of Toronto in uh, the beloved Great White North. Uh, They are makers, manufacturers, repairers, and soothsayers uh, of carbon composites manufacturing, uh, 3D scanning, printing technology. So we're going to tell you more about that in the days and weeks to come here. But just truly, Graham, so thankful to have FAF Technologies look at what we do here on the weekend sports cars and the rest of the silliness we do here on the podcast and say, hey, we want to be involved. We want to be a part of this community that y'all have built. Obviously hope to reach and connect uh, with a lot of folks in the paddock to make them aware of this somewhat new composites, manufacturing, engineering, and, and scanning and repair business of theirs. But that's that's the first main thing, brother. And I know that you as well are, are really keen to know that uh, our dear friends at FAF uh, are formally engaged with a relationship now here with the podcast. And then the last quick thing to mention before we get rolling with the show just to extend love, gratitude, and appreciation to one of the most uh, committed members and participants in the Weekend Sports Cars show, that being Stuart Hart. And we don't always get to Stuart's questions as often as we should. I think I said recently I need to fix that uh, because he really does take a lot of time to try and send in great questions, thought-provoking items. Won't go into any details, but uh, learned over the holidays here that Stuart and the entire Hart family, Graham, um, gone through some adversity and loss, and uh, there's some definite sorrow there. So more than anything we do here with the podcast, brother, it is speak to our brothers and sisters and everyone who might listen Uh, We think of y'all like members of a family. You treat us like members of your own. And when we learn that someone like Stuart, who's just been a really valuable part of what we do here each week, Graham, uh, I know it really strikes at the two of us to learn that he and the Hart family are uh, mourning right now. I completely agree, Stuart. We are thinking of you and yours. And keep, keep on trucking forward. Keep pushing forward. And keep engaging with us and with the rest of this community because in days of adversity it's this kind of thing that can just help a little bit but uh, we're thinking of you we're thinking of your family and we hope to hear from you very soon pal so in the absence of questions other than the poorly formed and ill-considered ones that dominate most of your brain and my own uh, we have stuff to talk about regarding 2024. I wonder, do we do that first? Hopefully right. bring a little bit of uh, lightness and positivity to things here. And then do we maybe close talking about definitely a, a punch to the soul that yeah. happened between this recording and the last, and that being the loss of the great, all caps, great, Jill DeFerrin. You think that would work let's, as a format, brother? I think I think let's let's finish with Jill because I know you've been working hard on some other content that's going to be coming to recognize that greatness, that contribution. 
uh, he made. And you know what? Whenever you lose um, any kind of major personality in any field, but in particularly in the sports, um, we're not unused to seeing outreach from people with their uh, condolences, their regrets, their thoughts. But my God, the, the, the number of people and the, the way in which that, that, that sorrow has been communicated has been pretty overwhelming over the last two or three days. So I think we finish with that at the end of this show. I think that's the way he would have liked it too. There's a guy who always punched forward, didn't he? Always pushed forward. Um, Utterly loyal to the people that were loyal to him and to his and to his sports. And I think that would be a fitting way to finish this first show of 2024. But before that, MP, uh, I think we, we look forward to some of the things that, you know, we would have hoped that he would have been here to see. Uh, but sadly now, that's not going to be the case. But looking forward to what we are expecting to be yet another step forward in this astonishing era of international endurance racing. First big race, of course, coming up um, will be the uh, Rolex 24 Daytona in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we now know, by the way, that there is going to be a clash with the 20, uh, 24 Hours of Daytona with another 24-hour race, and that is the 24 Hours of Dubai. Because of shipping delays, those two races will take place on the same weekend. But let's stick for the moment with, with Daytona and with IMSA racing and all the new that we're going to see there. There's been a flurry of announcements, MP, of... Uh, drivers being added to the roster for what is another stellar grid for the Rolex 24. And I guess, we, we, you know, the, the brave new world there is a boost to, I'm pretty certain, all four classes. It is four classes now, not five, with the, the end of the LMP3 story in the Inter-Weathertech Sports Car Championship, but boost in numbers for all the other four classes. Um Let's have a quick chat through, because there might well be a, a chance face-to-face -to, -face to do a bit more of a preview, a couple of the kind of storylines that are exciting you about Daytona to come. Saw this morning that Nolan Siegel, right? Wow. Really let folks know on the sports car side, if they didn't already know. Uh, Petit Le Mans, uh, hey, him good. <laughs> teenager yep. here from nearby in, in Northern California and Palo Alto, uh, being added to Sean Creech's lineup. And I will be fascinated for the entirety of the year with the Creech team going with a Liger 2017 model LMP2, obviously with all the latest and greatest updates that uh, it wore throughout its career. But with a chassis that fell out of fashion due to the unquestionable success of the Eureka 07. But we have Sean Creech's team already with a, a really good and existing lineup of Wilsey and Barbosa, but adding in a young badass in Nolan Siegel. Ooh, I love that. And so these are some of the little kernels little nuggets that I look at Graham and go, Ooh, okay, I'm going to watch this. Do I expect a Liger P2 car in 2024 to outrun an Areco 07? I don't. Uh, and IMSA's not doing anything to try and 
speed up or slow down now that we have more than just Areca's running in P2. They're not doing anything to, quote, balance, which uh, I appreciate, but this one stands out as I don't know how that entry will do overall in the debut race here, but I, on top of loving whenever Barbosa's is in the car, I really do look forward and hope, Graham, that when young Seagull's in there, the young Jedi is in, uh, that there are some other young Jedi's and other P2 cars so uh, we can see them go to work and do things that make us uh, just really appreciative to have so much young talent in the field. I'll bring over a question for from my Week in IndyCar podcast, which I still have to do. It was someone asking, this is Rolex specific, which IndyCar driver who hasn't competed at the Rolex 24 would you love to see in the race? And I struggled with it, Graham, because mm. I was running through the mental checklist, and I'm like, "They're mostly there." Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> this almost like this almost deserves half points or something for the IndyCar Championship with so many. Um, Will Power? Well, there is one. Tw- there is one 2024 IndyCar driver that is returning to the Rolex 24. And it's another one, actually. You mentioned uh, Nolan Siegel. I remember Nolan uh, taking the fight to no less than Neil Jarney in the Asia Le Mans series at the very start of the year. Very impressive he was too. But actually, Kiffin Simpson yeah. uh, being announced with a bit of a switcheroo of entries with the second MDK uh, Porsche withdrawn from the Rolex 24 and it's Dragon Speed uh, in for... Uh, and I think I'm right for the season as well, but it's going to be Kiffin Simpson there alongside Eric Lux and the man that actually took the win in LMP2 on the line last year, James Allen. Yeah. That's quite some trio. Yeah, Elton Julian called me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, uh, just about got this thing done and it's really fun. And so you think about Elton, California guy, uh, Kiffin Simpson, uh, uh, from the Caribbean, but he's looked after uh, by the Ganassi team. Mike Hull, their managing director there, uh, has really helped to steer Kiffin's career since he uh, aligned with them. Mike being a Southern California guy, just like Elton. And so, yeah, Elton was like, yep, took a little bit of SoCal magic to uh, cook this one up, but I'm coming back and uh, we're going to go and do fun things. And I look forward to this and a little, again, maybe another sidebar, on the who would I like from IndyCar to compete that hasn't been there before, uh, Will Power. He was meant to, right? He was meant to join Kenny Habul last year in Mercedes yep. AMG GT3. Um, some pretty serious personal uh, matters with Will's wife, Liz, health matters that uh, dominated most of the season for him. So that ended up not happening, but will's done everything else seemingly in the sport so i'd just love to see him uh tick that box but coming back to uh what you're mentioning here kiffin not distinguished in american junior open wheel racing right spent the last season in what's now called indy next they call yep. it that i call it indy nxt uh indy lights uh hadn't want to race didn't really look ready to step up to IndyCar. Nonetheless, he decided, done enough junior open wheel training, want to go. 
And so that's what he's doing, driving a fifth Ganassi IndyCar entry in 2024. And where this, to me, Graham, maybe fitting what I was mentioning earlier about Nolan Siegel, and uh, I hope you can add in some color to this, Kiffin's been hammered, as you might expect from IndyCar diehards. Hey, come on, you're just here because of family wealth. You don't really have any talent. You've just bought a ride with the defending champions, nothing more, and have dismissed him heavily as just really even deserving that opportunity. Okay, it's their opinion. That's great. Also been training like mad <laughs> in prototypes, and yep. that's been a part of his development process outlined and implemented by Ganassi with the various teams. I look forward to this kid now being on the grid with Dragon Speed, a team that has done a whole lot of, of steering their car into victory lane at Daytona uh, this decade. I look forward to Kiffin, who's trained internationally in LMP2 and been pretty dang good, showing some folks, knowing that there will be other really high-caliber drivers in LMP2 as well, that maybe you need to give him a bit of a break. I'm not saying he's going to be on pole and win his first IndyCar race, but I am saying he's been dragged pretty heavily so far in the open-wheel side for those who care. And those who will be tuning in or in attendance at Daytona, tell folks what they might see from the Kiffin Simpson that you've observed racing throughout the world in uh, LMP2 primarily and endurance racing because that that kid's shown himself, not saying he's a a world champ, but that kid's shown himself to be far better than maybe some folks think. Well, not a world champ. He's a European champion. Yep. We'll come to that in a moment. But uh, the, 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 the most, if you like, the last year or so, let's not forget taking a GTD win at Petit Le Mans with Gradient Racing in, that was 2022, I think, in the Acura NSX. Started the season um, in 2023 with a win in last season's Asian Le Mans series in Dubai in the opening race there. Finished that season in third place in a pretty stacked field, certainly a, a very closely um, uh, contended field, um, won the title in the European Le Mans series with two race wins, two second places, and a third place out of the six races with a stellar display from Algar Pro Racing, who, by the way, uh, took, and deservedly so, DSC's uh, prototype team of the year. That's prototype in any class team of the year um, for 2023. Um he has put in some some stints in that LMP2 Orica, which were absolutely world-class. Now, to put give the context there, and I'm fully well aware there will be a number of listeners to the Weekend Sports Cars that don't follow the European Le Mans series. If I were to tell you that uh, the LMP2 lineups in the European Le Mans series this year are were absolutely the best the world has ever seen in that class outside of the Le Mans 24 Hours, and actually better than many years at the Le Mans 24 Hours. That is absolutely not an exaggeration. Race after race after race last season, Johnny Palmer and I, who called the LMS races, were left to splutter as the silver and gold and platinum drivers climbed aboard those cars, just reading down the list and the list included 
FI World Endurance Champions, Le Mans 24 Hours overall winners, ex-Formula 1 stars, current hypercar factory drivers. And Kiffin Simpson was going toe-to-toe with them and winning. This kid is has got such potential, such huge potential, uh, not just in LMP2, but beyond that. And it is going to be a matter, MP, as is so often the case of being in the right car with the right team at the right time. And I think you will see that that talent will rise to the top. Whether or not he makes it in single seaters, we'll wait and see. Um, I'm not going to say, I hope he doesn't, I hope he comes to sports cars because that would be wrong but he is more than welcome to show off his talent uh, on the IMSA stage and elsewhere because he's maturing beautifully. Don't forget, he's still a very young man indeed. There's a lot more to come from him. It's a very different atmosphere in single-seater racing than it is in sports car racing. And what I believe he needs to do is to unlock that final 2 or 3% that he's already opened up Pandora's box and found in LMP2. I think you will find he will be an absolute star at the Rolex 24. He's going to light up that track. Another thing I'm looking forward to, Graham, I don't know if this is the last uh, IMSA one and maybe you take the baton and cover the things you're looking forward to most or some of them that you're looking forward to most in WEC. I am probably like many others looking forward to the Michigan showdown Corvette racing versus yep. 100%. Ford factory, right? I think that one just has a lot of provenance we can draw on already. If you've been around the planet for a while, the Ford versus Chevy thing, you know, it's, <laughs> it takes place every race weekend when NASCAR is on track. And, uh, we certainly have seen it before in open wheel and all kinds of places, but getting this GTD factory fight going, I really can't wait to see curious there to see how Ford settles in knowing that they are truly new to the GTD pro slash GT three category with their Mustang. Whereas it is a brand new bespoke Corvette C eight based GT three car, uh, the Z O six been in the category though, have all the circuit data, you know, from their hybrid gte based car which they modified to compete within the gt3 regulations uh, up through 2023 so be interesting to see how much of a is this really a fresh start for corvette racing in terms of competitiveness separate from bop but just how well do they know this bespoke gt3 car and can they continue the high level of output they had with it the kind of hybrid interim version where does ford settle in uh with a brand new creation where they've been to all these tracks be it in michelin pilot challenge with you know a gt4 variant of the mustang but you know they won't necessarily have everything they might want to know at vir uh and that kind of thing so will that factor in their season-long competitiveness the one item adding to this that I really am stoked to see happen. And it is a little bit of a, a partner angle to it, but I'm not mentioning it because of that. It's FAF. And taking yeah. on McLaren at 720S GT3 in a factory 
roll knowing that the inception racing team i thought have done a smashing job in the pro-am dynamic of gtd speaking with the faf team they give nothing but credit to inception saying hey they've done a heck of a job and whatever we're you know whatever we're doing we're having a build off of uh the, the road they've paved this is the first time we're going to see mclaren factory level championship winning team uh, both in gtd and gtd pro the inaugural gtd pro champions at faf with their former partners in porsche what does the faf quality and approach along with a deeper engagement from mclaren what does that do for their first attempt combined to go and win a gtd pro title that to me is is maybe the x factor graham when i look at the upcoming gtd pro season we know lexus just won the title they're going to be really good there's again other familiar models that'll be there but this mclaren dynamic with a team that has done nothing but success uh in imsa previously that one has me really intrigued where does that sit with you i think that's uh, a really good summary of what i think is going to be an immediate storyline for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and a continuing storyline for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm glad you mentioned the Michigan battle. I don't expect that to be fully alight at the Rolex 24. These are two very, very new cars. And they're up against, I mean, a really strong field outside those four cars. It's a boosted field. It's from 12 to 9 from last year. I think that's right. It's a very different uh, basis for it. You mentioned FAF, and that's absolutely spot on because what that brings to it is abs- it's excellence with uh, from the team, which is, makes all the difference, in a package we know that goes very well and has been going very well, uh, and with a great driver lineup as well. And we should mention, by the way, the comeback to full season uh, in the uh, season from uh, the champion of the final DPI year, Ollie Jarvis. Yeah. I'm delighted to see that he's back in it. So that's worth mentioning. But it's not just that. It's the defending champions. It's Vassar Sullivan with the the growling, roaring. Ageless. Ageless. Miller Racing. Where they deserve to be in GTD Pro. Another team, by the way, that took a uh, end of year DSC award. And again, correctly so, is our, our GT team of the year for their performances in a stacked gtd class they take the step up uh with you know the bmw m4 gt3 and a great driver line up there but even you know look further down their heart of racing and, and the, the performances that they put in with with what will be by the way another new car the uh, evo version of i'm told it's not going to be called that of the aston martin vantage amr gt3 rizzi competizione with an all factory driver lineup uh there too Sun Energy Racing and the overperformances we've seen there from the Mercedes AMG bit and Rexy in GTD Pro with AO Racing. And by the way, we were told that Rexy will be the GTD Pro car. We haven't yet seen what their LMP2 car is going to be delivered with. At least you haven't seen it publicly. Trust me, it's a cracker. So GTD Pro. I really hope it's a banana uh, slug. No, it's, no? It's, it's significantly more distressing. Than a that. Jurassic banana um, slug, maybe. It's it's a it's a massive graphic of a smiling 
uh, Gunnar Jeanette. That's what it is. Aww. Just that. Just that. And I'm not going to tell you what he's wearing or not, but um, because it's, it's a family show. But uh, AO Racing just bringing the excellence and bringing the fun. And uh, more power to them, and of course, with uh, yeah, representation in GTD Pro and in LMP2 this year, where we'll see PJ Hyatt. PJ, by the way, was absolutely magnificent in his first two LMP2 races in the Asian Le Mans series. Um, just last month so yeah gtd pro looking looking forward to frankly all four classes but gtd pro i think will be a stunner the the the, the level of that field um even before we get gtd pro efforts from corvette and ford fully up to speed i suspect they won't quite be there and how many times have you and i on this podcast said those kind of things at this point have been proven completely wrong um but the you know i suspect against the bedded in drilled uh, teams and crews of the remaining and cars for that matter in gtd pro that's going to be a mighty hill to climb in the very early uh, races of this season but boy there's some scripts going to be written in that class and you know that's going to be a fabulous supporting act to GTP. One final thing, by the way, I was going to mention about um, Relics 24, which is there is one entry, and by one entry, I mean a driver entry that could just be very significant for the future. Now, it has been noted, and I think we've mentioned it previously on this podcast, um, happened before in the DPI days, but the first time in GTP, or for that matter, in hypercar, with a bronze-ranked driver. And that, of course, is the mercurial Ben Keating. Uh, he'll be aboard the Privateer uh, uh, Porsche 963. And why do I say it could be significant? Well, it certainly potentially proves the point that uh, for a carefully curated uh, entry with a bronze-ranked driver, that there can and should be no risk uh, to others out there. Ben is an exception to many rules. He's an exceptional driver. Uh, yes, a third uh, award winner, by the way, from our end of the season awards. But uh, he'll be there with the JDC Miller uh, team with Phil Hansen, Tim Van der Helm and Richard Westbrook aboard that car. Um, do I think that is important of changes to come for the WC's hypercar class? No, I don't. But it's not a bad example to put in front of the jury, is it? Not at all. Just going to say, realize something. Despite loving all that AO Racing did with Rexy, its uh, T-Rex-themed livery for its Porsche 911 RSR, uh, I'm sorry, 911 GT3 R, really disappointed that Gunner PJ didn't at least at one point do fred flintstone themed fire suits it just seems like a like an obvious one with a little teal kind of uh necktie a uh, little yep. club over their uh, over their shoulders well, they, they can't do that for racing because that's what they both wear on their weekends off true but so, I, you know i gotta believe imsa would approve sleeveless fred flintstone <laughs> uh pattern kind of cheetah pattern or whatever it is fire suits yeah i mean come on if you're gonna do it do it the whole way guys really really disappointing us here but kidding aside why don't you uh take us through some of the WEC related items that are 
Tom Graham Goodwin's things you are really looking forward to this year? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of working my way through at the moment. What I hope is going to be close to being a bit of an A to Z of what to look forward to in 2024. Some of them are going to be about the new cars that are coming forward. We're seeing Alpine uh, getting stuck into their test program with the new A424 uh, hypercar, the LNB8 spec hypercar that's coming to the WEC. Great looking car. Uh, from Alpine with that mechachrome supplied engine. Uh, the WRT team uh, pushing hard with both their GT efforts and, of course, bringing BMW not just this, this coming season in the IMSA paddock, but also into the WEC. You've mentioned, we mentioned it, mentioned it quite a lot last week. And so I'm not going to look weak. I'm not going to go through it much more, but Lamborghini, everybody excited by the look of that car and by the fact that it's come out of the stocks pretty quickly as well. We'll wait and see just exactly where the, uh, the pace uh, comes and remains and the little Isotta Fraschini, uh, call it what it is. The Michelotto designed and built hypercar coming to the FI world endurance championship. So loads of new to look forward to. Happy new year to the Frankini brothers, by the way. Yes. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it's a lot of Frankitties. Um, the, uh, you know, loads to look forward to the WEC. We get our first chance to see that field together in Qatar, uh, in March. It, it's a quick turnaround from the Rolex to the Asian Le Mans series finale. And then another quick turnaround, almost feel like I'm coming home and then getting straight back on the same plane to go back out to Qatar uh, just a couple of weeks later. So it's less than two weeks later. So all of that, but then LMGT3 and a brand new look and feel to the FI World Insurance Championship. And for me, MP, can you just hear what you think? We're back to a situation in top class ACO rules racing that we've not seen for many years, arguably back to Group C days a two-class world championship with Hypercar and LMGT3. Now, that presents some opportunities in terms of the way that you can communicate the championship, explain and introduce the championship to new audiences. It brings some challenges in that what you've not got for the first time outside of Le Mans is a secondary prototype class. That means that traffic should be less of an issue for much of the race for the uh, the hypercar prototypes. But it also means that we can have a deeper GT class than we've had before and certainly a more varied GT class than we've had before in the WEC. Uh, keen to hear what you think about that. I mean, it, it's, uh, there are a few purists doing the rounds saying, oh, you know, LMP2. The reality is there is not space for LMP2 and that's to be regretted. But my view is it's absolutely the correct move to take these opportunities when they arise. But keen to hear what you think, MP, about a two-class WC. Speaks to growth and health. It's the ties, the LMEM ties, the the overarching sanctioning, I don't know, I don't know, or I shouldn't say sanctioning, but the overarching uh organizers where having the european le mans series having that great linkage between the elms and wec and the asian le mans series as well but that strong elms WEC relationship where 
I mean, P2 is already the, uh, the top class in ELMS, but now making it even more so, if that's a correct way to put it, uh, knowing that WEC has evolved to where the delightful growth in its top hypercar class has necessitated this. The shifts in GT formula to using something that's more widely uh, adopted with the GT3 formula these are the things that have resulted in the kind of growth you pray for, right? I mean, it yep. talking about the quote old days of the ILMC and other things where you go, yeah, it's a championship, but kind of barely. And we got, you know, a couple manufacturers, but not so much. And the TV package is not great. And there's right. So many things where you go, boy, could you imagine a day, Graham? in, I don't know, 2009, 2007, where we're talking about so much growth and success taking place in the top prototype class and what is now the GT class to where those were the only two classes because it was so heavily subscribed. It seemed like fantasy stuff. And so where the importance of the linkage with the ELMS and the Asian Le Mans series come in here is so here's this great prosperity we have that we've been hoping for, but we can't embrace that at the expense of the future. What do I mean by that? Well, not every driver is going to be signed by a factory hypercar team or have the means to buy their way into a privateer hypercar seat. Need to make sure that there's a place where the the folks coming up young and old in LMP three have a place they can go to LMP two and do their training and get good there. And since that's no longer the case in WEC, barring the biggest race of the year, and even there it being a limited roster allowed an LMP two at Le Mans, as long as we have a good pipeline training opportunities in the ELMS and Asian Le Mans series, I'm really happy with what we have. If that were to somehow change, I'd be far more concerned for the future saying we're embracing the prosperity while we have it, but we're not paying it forward by helping the future drivers, future teams, right? Not every team's ready to go head to head with a factory Ferrari, Porsche, Cadillac, you name it. Provided they have a place to develop and grow, which they do, this entire system is working just as it should so i get it change is strange and not something most people accept willingly not having p2 is a regular part of the show i get it but hey let's embrace what we have while it's here and hope that the linkage they've created to keep that development going in the sub championships uh, allows this prosperity to really truly have some long long roots to establish i completely agree i mean for me in the background some of the conversations that i've been having are, are about how we can try to expand this audience uh, by doing better with how we broadcast uh, these championships uh, doing better how, how we explain these championships and in particular from the powers that be that you know, make sure that there is great visibility, not just for an external audience, but for the industry, for the sport itself, 
as to what the plan is, not for 24, but for 25, 26, 27, 28, for exactly what you've just described, that ladder of talent, not just in the in the cockpit, but in the garage and on the pit wall. Uh, they're, they're the things that are going to make the difference when, almost inevitably, even if this bubble doesn't burst, when it loses maybe a little bit of its luster. And that's the important thing here. We absolutely should be riding this way, without a shadow of a doubt, no doubt whatsoever. But we also need to be planning for what comes next, making it easier to encourage a privateer um, uh, growth in in the uh, the hypercar and GTP classes, making it easier for those that have got the means and the ambition and the ability to find a way through that ladder and into the daylight of, you know, either IMSA or WEC competition in the years to come. And, and you know, having a roadmap for that that is 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 communicated willingly by the senior people that are making the rules and and guiding those teams forward. That's what I want to see uh, through 2024 that we really want to enjoy and 25 and 26 for that matter moving forward. Uh, but for me, it's going to be about how the future is communicated because that's going to be the thing, MP, that gives people who want to be involved in this sport the confidence to take that next step. It takes bravery when the, uh, the risks, if you like, and I'm talking here about the commercial and the financial risks, are as great as they are in any business. It takes bravery to do that. And there are things that can be done to help people to be brave. That's what I want to see. And that's what I'll be doing uh, my level best to encourage people in the sport that I know would like to be doing more of that, to do more still and to do it publicly. I I'm think, throw how long one have in. Been going? Uh, I was yep. going to ask you to give us one more weckety weck. That's the official name of the series, by the way, at least on our show here. I'm going to ask you to throw in one more weckety-weck thing you're looking forward to for the upcoming year. But before that, I wanted to throw in a end-of-year award of my own uh, on on dailysportscar.com. Granted, I should have thought of this earlier, so it could be a real thing. But uh, you spent time picking teams and drivers and all kinds of things, receiving end-of-year awards. I wanted to present an award for hey man really thankful you have remained committed to this and keep fighting the good fight to present quality content with quality people that would be you graham goodwin editor of dailysportscar.com times are not easy anybody uh, in the motor sports media world uh, print media, online, digital, uh, video, podcast, whatever. It, nobody is just bathing in cash. Appreciate you. Appreciate the others, right? Other outlets who pushing hard to provide great content, keep doing that in a committed uh, capacity. And also to young Stephen Kilby, who, when I had some time seeing him at work this year in the media center at Le Mans, I think I might have mentioned this in our post-Le Mans show, but I you said did. to him yep. how proud I was of him. Not proud like I did anything <laughs> to 
to uh, make him what he is today, but just proud in watching his development, you know, over a decade or however long it was, you know, he'd gone from being the person below the bottom of the totem pole, just <laughs> right. Helping writing copy, doing some other things, but you know, was, was close to being the person getting everyone coffee and, uh, crisps or, uh, whatever candies needed to keep you alive, but went from being very much the junior most member to someone who you, uh, and all of your colleagues at daily trust implicitly with leading, uh, with his reporting on the ground, remotely, whatever it might be, if it's writing a race report, breaking a story, whatever it is, like just to see where Steven's gone and become with your support and your full support of him. That's one of my favorite things of the year as well, of just sitting adjacent to the big uh, eight uh, person, six person, however many it was, person, DSC Island there in the media center and watching Steven orchestrate it with you being gone almost the entire time being over in uh, radio booths and TV booths and uh, all kinds of stuff there. But just watching Steven run the show and run it so well and everyone there loving to work with him and, you know, for him take direction. Like it's just really cool to see a kid. There aren't, there's not a lot of youth in sports car media in particular there's some don't get me wrong not saying there isn't but there's not an abundance uh there are more folks like you and i with uh gray hairs sprouting out of our chin or the top of our head uh than not and so it's just really cool to see uh the institutional support from you and uh the outlet for steven and then to see how far he's come so that was really cool uh i hope it it is really cool and and by the way i'm not sure we may i'm not sure we mentioned this um, in our earlier shows, but uh, I will share a bit of news from Stephen, which is he's um, pregnant. Yeah, oh, that's me <laughs> no, no, actually. Sadly, <laughs> uh, which is that um, we did have him uh, with a leave of absence in the lead up to uh, Christmas, and that was because he was on holiday. Actually, your side of the pond uh, in New York, and. Uh, he had to only for a specific reason, and I'm very happy to say that he asked the question, and she said yes. Oh, so oh, we've got oh. another very happy event coming along for the DSC and Racer family, because of course uh, Stephen, uh, in amongst what he does with me at Daily Sports Car, we also help our friends and colleagues at Racer with uh, FIWC. Uh, content and i can tell you as well that uh, you'll be enjoying his company at tomorrow's 24 for the first time so, since i think 2020 uh he'll be yeah, back we'll have a full team for right now. There. i won't subject myself <laughs> to that but uh so so it's thank you very much for that i'm going to say as well by the way marshall right back at you because oh, um it. you you could no but you continue to push hard and push those boundaries in terms of the uh, the multimedia co- content and the, the thing for me that I know that a lot of our listeners would love me to say to you is how much the effort that you put into the the video content and the audio content that adds so much to people's understanding of the sport has been a massive plus and I hope we're going to see a lot more of that at the Rolex 24 Daytona you know in the coming 
uh, coming weeks and hopefully you and I can have some fun with video and audio as, as well so that's going to be fun I'm going to basically tee up this last one thing and it's going to be me for hand to you to hand to me oh, because we are going to talk uh, at least you're going to talk about a man that I only met just a couple of times but uh, in the very few occasions I did meet him you saw flickers of what dozens hundreds of people have reflected uh, in the last few days about the character about the the outlook about just the joy of living and breathing in the sport that was Gilles de Ferran and I know it's been a very tough week indeed for people that knew him and loved him <sighs> yeah got the call from a friend um uh, I mean yeah I don't know the exact timing but like Jill had just passed um f another friend who was there at the event he was at um at a heart attack at a uh, kind of private circuit in uh Florida track day type event uh you know uh, anyways passed had a heart attack and died and I just finished the last interview for uh, remembering Jill DeFerrin podcast series that I just need to jump on and uh, post here shortly. Um, there are folks who you lose, who you love, and you're flooded with memories about the great times with them, the things they did, and since we're talking sports and racing, which is what all unites us here, uh, usually it's the driver or team owner, but usually it's that person and the things they did in racing that stand out to you first and foremost, above everything else, all they achieved, uh, again, especially for the greats like uh, Gilles de Ferran. And so that's the normal thing when someone dies who's a Jill being an Indy 500 winner, two-time kart IndyCar series champion during, again, it's nastiest, craziest, fastest, most hardcore competition years. Um, did so many things in the sport and it's normal for their achievements, for them to be on that mountain, you know, as uh, in the pantheon of greats and thought of in those terms when they are lost. And I can just tell you, brother, the thing that I have had discussions with folks about over the last six days since he passed long with a dozen or more people, not once any of them mentioned Indy 500 win or the IndyCar championships or other things as the defining thing about Gilles de Ferran. Those things are mentioned and acknowledged course you do one of those you win a indycar championship once that's an amazing thing much less back to back then add an indy 500 victory again pantheon of greats those are n to nobody <laughs> uh, effectively the things that any of his friends colleagues loved ones you know, like that's just not the thing anyone's talking about it's shield the person the impact as a human being he had on them as another human being that's the takeaway and admittedly that's what i've tried to capture in the podcasts and i've done and i could i realized that i could 
do this for another week or two of calling folks and, and getting thoughts. And I just had to say, okay, just going to do six because that's, we've already got a lot. So spent half hour on the phone with Dario Franchitti this morning. Um, Zach Brown uh, talking about his instrumental work to help turn around the McLaren Formula One team. Tom German, who was his race engineer at Team Penske, where all of Gilles' greatest successes were achieved. Simon Pagano, uh, whose career was saved by Gilles, right? Uh, and uh, found his way back to IndyCar through the America Le Mans series and being Gilles' teammate. So speak extensively about the sports car side with Simon. Uh, Scott Dixon, who was Gilles' teammate um, during those two years of DeFerrin Motorsports activities in the ALMS. Uh, and then Justin Bell, who many folks might not know, but Gilles and Justin were effectively best friends. And so in speaking with all of them and others, many others I've spoken with, the central theme, Graham, is trophies and success. Great. All know it. Fantastic. That's not what we're mourning. The loss of a great driving champion. It was, this guy was my mentor. This Pagano said he's like a father to me. Uh, uh, Dario shares a, sta- uh, a tale where one day was Gilles early in his career effectively changed everything about how Dario did going forward um, and on and on and on. And it's just the person with him being so giving, so insightful, so caring and nice. Uh, I think Zach mentioned I've never heard anyone say a negative word about Gilles, right? Lots of folks say lots of negative things about each other in the sport, Graham. Gilles, one of those where you go, yeah, I can't really remember that shots fired episode where, you know, some, uh, someone tore Gilles down for this thing or like just wasn't who he was. So lots more and better words from, from others on the man, but he was just a titan in our sport. Realized the vast majority of it uh, was was crafted here in the U.S. in terms of things that really stand out achievement-wise by him. But this guy's impact globally. How many people who have said, based on my time with Gilles, I was changed in permanent ways. Like it, that's the part, Graham, where you go, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I share this tale, I think, in the Justin Bell episode. And I'll recount it here quickly, and I think I'll probably end up recounting it on the Weekend IndyCar as well because there's a couple questions about Gilles. But uh, he fundamentally changed how I do what I do as a reporter, as a journalist, like from the very early, early days. He was the first, like, big name who looked at me and saw something in me that felt different from, I guess, other reporters. And I was just kind of faking it till I made it because I didn't go to journalism school, broadcast school. English was one of my majors in, in university. But nonetheless, I don't know how to do any of this, brother. I'm looking at how the person next to me was asking questions in a scrum and going, oh, okay, I guess that's how you do it. And I'd be in the next scrum and see someone else do things in a different way. I'd go, okay, well, maybe that's the other way. But I don't know what I was doing. Um, Gilles was the first who recognized 
I guess maybe the phrasing or some of the questions I was asking to him, uh, early in 2008, which was very early into my move to the media that I knew some stuff that was a little bit different from what most journalists knew about, asked about. And so he actually inquired with me, this is right after the announcement of DeFerrin Motorsports at Sebring, uh, asked about me, asked about my background, told him, you know, mechanic, engineer, manager, that kind of stuff. He's like, ah, all right, that, that now, now I understand. And from then on, he treated me like an insider and I'd been an insider beforehand, right? Working, working in the paddock forever and ever. But he was the first one who's like, okay, do, you know, let's talk on that level. Not the person who's just a fan or a person who went to university. Uh, just let's talk like we would normally in the paddock as colleagues. And we did. And it just fundamentally changed, Graham, how I did my job. Because these drivers are all ones who I knew, and it might not have been them directly, but it was them, you know, years before uh, while I was on pit lane, you know, on timing stands or whatever, communicating and working side by side with drivers and team owners and whatever. And it was really Gilles who was like, no, uh, just be more that guy. And uh, it changed how I approached everything, every driver, manager, engineer, whatever. And that's why I've been so fortunate to build so many deep relationships like I had with Gilles. And it was him going like, hey, don't try and be like the guy next to you. Be who you are, because that's very different from them. And that's your superpower. So embrace that superpower. Changed everything, Graham, about everything that I do today is a reflection. Just just reflecting here, MP. And in the last five minutes, you've mentioned the impact he had on you and your career, the impact he had on Dario Franchitti and his career, the impact he had on Simon Pagano and his career. That's just the first three people you've mentioned. Okay. If, if you're listening to this, whether or not it's in your morning, your afternoon, your evening, just taking a moment to remember someone who is clearly a very special part of this motorsport, this wacky worldwide motorsport family of ours. And just keep an eye out for that content from MP in the days to come. And let's all join together in just remembering a very special person indeed. I think that's a good way to finish for this evening, MP. We're going to say thank you to all of us for uh, following us through 23 and following us into 2024. There's a long way to go down this road. We're going to say thank you, of course, to Fat Technologies, our new addition to the roster for 2024 to the justice brothers and to drondamotorsports.com i'm going to say a particular thank you to you mp as we get into the new year for your continuing efforts and for your passion that fuels this that was readily apparent as this last five or ten minutes talking about your friend and i mourn with you your loss and that for everybody else um He's been Marshall Pruitt. I've been Graham Goodwin. This has been the Week in Sports Cars. We will be back with you next week. <laughs>